Greetings. I'm Edward Stinson with Visual Adjectives Creators Corner Podcast, where we delve into the minds of creators to better understand the process of imagination. Today, I'm joined by two amazing, excellent writers who both have awesome English degrees and are, frankly, far more skilled on all the questions and topics that I'm going to be bringing up today. Uh, on my right is Cress Esteem, and in front of me, on my left, well, technically it's in front, left, same mm-hmm. thing, is Nicole Lee. Hi, welcome, guys. Please say hello to the audience. Hello, audience. Whoever, whoever it is that's listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. Don't worry. We'll get the audience. We're, we're building up in the world. Um, so, I, well, let's start off. I have some basic questions for y'all. Sure. Um, I just want to get your opinions on writing, the creative process, um, and I guess just to give our audience of some other perspectives, really, you know? Um, first question, uh, when creating characters... Um, of course, they are amalgams of emotions and varied uh, possible backgrounds, possible races. Um, Facts. You know, there's there's a lot mm-hmm. of different aspects that you can really come up with when a character. Mm-hmm. Um, at Visual Adjectives, we have a kind of foundational four character components that you could really base a character off of. Heart, mind, body, and soul. Mm. When a character is responding mm-hmm. to any situation, usually they respond with one of these four character components and in the order of which one they use the most and which one they use the least. So let's say we take Batman, okay? If you had to put his heart, mind, body, and soul in order, I'd have to say his mind is first, body is second, um, soul might be third, and heart is last. So if just express or explain on that a bit more, again, the man is literally known as the world's greatest detective in DC Comics. Second, he was literally trained by ninjas. So his body is like peak physical fitness of all humans possible. But he wasn't like born in the darkness or molded by it. Very true. Immediately adopted the darkness. This is very true. Bane. Oh, see, Bane. By the time he saw darkness, I was already a man, actually. Ooh, that's actually. Nicole's already a man. I was a man. Yes. That's facts. That's facts. That's facts. See, that, that's why the body isn't the top one for him. Because exactly. he really adopted the darkness. That's all. Yeah. That's right. a, you, you understand. Right. You understand. Yeah. Yeah. They even talk about this in the movie. They're, they're there. Mm-hmm. They're there. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when, when you look at it in, the, in that order, yeah, you start seeing why characters are who they are. Mm. But going into that and back to the question, uh, when creating characters and kind of considering those four aspects, heart, mind, body, and soul, which is kind of the most, I guess... Which would be the easiest to create or relate to or think about when working with a character? Someone who's led by heart, someone led by mind, someone led by their body, or someone led by their soul? Mm. I feel like the first step is you have to figure out which of those you even want to attempt to focus on when you're mm. starting to create the character, right? Mm-hmm. And then once you've established, like, in my mind, I try to think about, like, what is this person's overall objective? Mm-hmm. And then go from there. So if I once I've established their overall objective, then I decide how they're going to achieve that objective. And I guess that's when all of those other components that you're talking about would come into play. Um, okay. So, you know, if I have a character who's very ambitious then probably mind is going to be like their primary Mm -hmm. uh, method that I would use to write them. Whereas if I have somebody that's extremely, you know, spiritual or that have a, has a spiritual path, it might be soul. Um, And then you kind of work from there. And I feel like when you have certain components, they're going to naturally make others more difficult. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. So like someone who is very soul driven, for example, might have a hard time thinking logically because mm-hmm. they exactly. so much of their belief is in you know spirituality so mm-hmm. you create like a natural 
dichotomy there with that character. Mm. Is there one you think would be more difficult to work on? Like a character led by soul or who's led by body? For me personally? um, I don't know. I guess it's... I I find a lot of times when I'm creating the characters, it's almost like they kind of like come to life on the page. Like when I start the process of writing them, that's Mm -hmm. when I find their motivations, then um, the other parts just kind of fall into place. Um, I guess I'm thinking about the most difficult part of creating a character might be like, I, I find personally I'm very good at internal conflict. Um, I guess external <laughs> conflict is a p- larger problem for me in the story, like the larger external issues that a character is facing. I see. Um, whereas like I'm very good at internal conflict and internal <laughs> turmoil, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So I guess something external, I don't know how you'd describe that, but I guess that's the most difficult part of me, at least for me when it comes to creating characters, is their external problems that they're facing. Interesting. So it's actually really interesting where because she normally focuses on worrying about the heart, mind, body, and soul of characters so much, it's actually really easy for her to figure out which one of those she will need to use to make a character. And But contrary to that, she then has more difficulty yep. dealing with the outside factors that would then cause these, these internal factors to then kind of right. change around. That makes sense. I understand. See, while Nicole's a novelist, I build my home in poetry. Mm. I don't really... Um, create characters per se. Mm-hmm. I create voices. I guess is a better way to explain it. And put like quantifying a voice to heart, mind, body, or soul is kind of difficult. Mm-hmm. I guess um, uh, it probably more closely related to soul or like heart, maybe mind as well. I mean, coming from my mind, because for me, like <laughs> if I were to like put those four aspects of myself, like. Mm-hmm. As a character, as a person, for me, it'd probably be mind, heart, soul, body. Mind, heart, right? soul, body. Okay. Right? So for, like, my voices, most of it would probably be rooted more in, like, heart or soul. Because, like, a lot of things I write are, like, are really, how do I explain this? They're really existential. Like, people read the poetry you have to really think about it yeah, yeah that's yeah. why I, that's why i try to do mm-hmm. and you're very successful in it i yes, have you to are. say Thanks. Thank <laughs> yes you. you are thank you i'm humbled um, but i try to to get it to where a point where i don't tell the people or the reader what it is they're reading mm-hmm. and try to get them to kind of figure out themselves so i guess in the long run they put those aspects to the uh the piece that i'm writing or that that they're reading they kind of put it to where it fits best but for me, mostly soul or or heart, sometimes mind. Because mm-hmm. I mean, I you are thinking. Yeah. So yeah. I do try to make people think and just kind of um, interpret the poetry as they will, not mm-hmm. as I intend it to be. Because what I think may also not be what you think, mm-hmm. and it's whatever it is you think is correct. I like right? that. Uh, frankly, that mind because that's your first kind of instinctual component that you actually put for yourself. Yeah. Because that's your first component, it then kind of makes sense that uh, soul and heart are directly after it. Right. Um, You use your mind to kind of create that initial step through the door for people to interact with your heart and soul. And then, yeah, you leave by for last because, well, frankly, you're writing. It it is a, an exploration of the mind to then find the, the deeper 
um, components of the heart and the soul. Great. I agree. Yeah, man. Nice, man. Um, Sometimes it's, it's hard, but, you know, <laughs> get through it. Yeah. Heck yeah, I agree. If you guys see me put down a cup, it's because we're, we're drinking tea. Yes. We are. We're drinking, we're, yeah. Very classy. Yes. It's super classy here. <laughs> In like a study area, we're extremely, mm. yeah. yes, indubitably. extremely literary yeah. right of course, now. Of course, of course. Yes, yeah, yes, books everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so next question for you guys. Um, why is writing the path of creation that you chose? Why did you choose writing as how your your mind would interact with reality? Same, same, Nikki. <laughs> same, because I, I had the same reaction. I'm like, well, not really choose. Yeah, it's like it chooses how, how did you. It kinda, how did you kind of fall into the lap of writing then? Well, I mean, I loved, I guess, of course, I was an avid reader before I ever became a Mm-hmm. writer but I, I honestly <laughs> i have the earliest writings that i have and the earliest stories that i have are in journals that i had and when i was like seven or eight years old we're mm-hmm. talking i was trying to get like the basics of a plot <laughs> down into a into a journal you know that i was using it's kind of like a diary but i was creating stories in it so i guess it's just always been since i was young because i read so much it was the natural avenue for me to go down um was to just begin telling stories um from a young age and i think also what i love about writing is is language and how Mm. multi multifaceted language is and how the more you play with language that's how you really create something truly unique um and it's it's i have to say that i think that writing well is a difficult skill and to actually be a good wordsmith and go in there and play with words and play with the order and you know make ordinary things interesting by the way that you describe them um, that's a, a big beauty that it's always appealed to me with literature. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's probably why I'm so drawn to it. And I think there's so many words in the, in, in language that, um, there's no excuse to not be able to say exactly what you want. Mm. And and I also guess I like that literature creates a very specific or can create a very specific emotional response. Like when you look at a picture, of course you can feel things and it can feel sad, but when you are writing like, and you are, truly reading a character that's fully fleshed out and that you feel a genuine connection with the emotional roller coaster that you can go through is very extreme. Um, and that's a level of depth of emotion. I think that can only probably be achieved through, through writing. Mm, I agree with you. I agree with you more on the language part because I speak two languages and I'm, I'm really good with pronunciation and uh, kind of learning other languages so I tend to like if you could ever see me on the street, I'll probably say, you know, buenos dias to you before I say hello <laughs> or I'll I'll say gracias or I'll say arigato or something, you know, in a different language. You know, be like this man, what are you talking about? <laughs> but I just randomly say different languages like in my just regular speech. Mm-hmm. So I think that kind of helped me to grow in writing specifically. Mm. But like Nicole said, I, I was an avid reader before writing. I read, I remember specifically when I was younger, maybe like mm, first, first grade, I think mm. it was mm. when teachers still made house calls <laughs> back in the day. Um, I had a teacher who brought books to my house and told my parents, yo, this man is great at reading. Like you yeah. should, you know, cultivate that. Mm-hmm. And at the time I was coming out of the showers where I couldn't really go out and say hi. <laughs> but, yeah. But she know she gave me um i think it was 38 books it was a 38 book set of winnie the pooh wow that's Dang. so cool yeah she brought it to me on the bus that's beautiful 
She brought came uh-huh. up to the bus like, "Hey, Chris, hey man, here here's this giant bag of books." And I'm like, "Oh, great. knowledge I'm for you." I'm glad you yeah. mentioned teachers actually on this journey because once you're done, I totally have another yeah. point on that as well. <laughs> okay. Continue, please. Yeah, yeah, got, <laughs> you, got you. But <clears throat> I think around that time, and then pushing towards, I'd say fifth grade, I had a I had a notebook with which I used to write all of my thoughts down and stuff, mm. kind of like journal, of course, in a way. But then that journaling kind of transformed into, you know, free, free write poetry. And from there, the creativity just kind of took over. Um, like in high school, I used to write a lot. Like that was my, probably the, at my peak of like just imagination and free form writing is right around high school days. I wrote so much. I still have some of my old stuff mm-hmm. like around that I read. And I'm like, oh man, this is actually pretty good. Dang, dude. Like, nice. you know. But, you know, as I got older and as I learned more about writing, the creativity part kind of like fell off a bit. But then the structural part, you know, mm-hmm. kind of grew from that. So a lot of my poetry is now very structural and very um, intentional. And it takes me a long time to write now. OK, so I'm, I'm, I probably will finish a poem in like a week or two. Yeah, but you're a lot more, but I guess, into quality now, though, you know? The quality has is, is gone up significantly. Yeah. And back in the day, it was, the quality is fine because yeah. you are getting into the field. You right. have to you practice. You yeah. have to practice. You have to play and see what works and yeah. what doesn't. Yeah, for sure. So it, it all just kind of culminated into this, this, I guess, this feeling of having to get my thoughts out. But now I just can't do it. I can't just spew it out randomly now because I'll stop myself from doing that. I'm like, hold on. No, let's build something from this. <laughs> yeah. Like this, this could be something really good. It could be a great work of art. This could be, you know, something masterful. Yeah. So I guess I didn't choose to be a writer or choose poetry. It really internally just chose me. And I think it just happened to be the circumstances of my life that just kind of formulated that way to, you know, help me gain more knowledge and gain more understanding about my own creativity and just ended up being poetry, you know, makes sense. Yeah. yeah. I love, I love that you brought up teachers. Cause that's something I totally didn't mention in mine, but as soon as you said teachers, I was like, that was a huge part of mm-hmm. my journey was I had phenomenal language arts teachers from the time that I was very young. I can remember in third grade doing the hundred book challenge and all the other kids were reading like tiny little (laughs) books and I was reading Harry Potter Mm. and my teacher encouraged that and like instead of counting my Harry Potter as like one book because that's cruel (laughs) Uh, you know when the other kids are reading books that are like 30 pages long and I was reading these like 100 you know page 200 page chapter books um she really encouraged me to read and and encouraged me to read chapter books and stuff stuff of that length and that just continued I mean even in middle school I had several um, English teachers who were extremely encouraging Mm. uh, with everything that I wrote and encouraged me to read and to write. And that continued into high school. Um, I had a teacher in middle school recommend me to like a fan fiction website, (laughs) which was, I mean, sounds silly, but that's where I think a lot of writers, um, especially young writers nowadays in the age of the internet, get their start. It was by reading, you know, other people's fan fiction. That's good. And some of it, that's not so good and learning from other you know, yeah. struggling writers or young writers learning from. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and even getting to put your own work out there on those kind of websites and get that feedback. I mean, we're talking in middle school, I was writing and posting things and getting feedback. And some people were not nice. <laughs> you know, yeah. some people were very <laughs> brutal, but um, it gave me an opportunity also to practice my skills and have an audience that was willing to read them at a very young age, which is something people literally pay to go to workshops mm, to do now. And mm-hmm. my teacher introduced me to that. So um, 
that was a huge part of the process, yeah. having a teacher that believed in you. And I think when I hear a lot of people say, I hate writing or I struggle with writing, um, it's because they didn't get that opportunity to have a teacher that really encouraged them and showed them that writing and reading is fun. It doesn't have to be a chore. Yeah. Um, it can be something that's enjoyable, which I was reinforced constantly for me yeah. in my childhood. <laughs> that's um, I, I can't yeah. express how much that really is important. Be I know it is because that was actually the segue into my very next question, which is who are some of your greatest influences? But I'll actually save that for later on because... Mm-hmm. Again, both of you kind of explained it and expressed it where it, yeah, you guys, you know, had your own influences, but there were pivotal points and pivotal mm-hmm. people and mentors in your life that yeah. made those integral steps to let you know that it was okay to be and feel what you guys were being mm-hmm. and feeling. Now that I think about it, I'm very surprised that there are so many people willing to read my works when I was younger. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. You know? like, who do you... Like, where do you find someone to just read these little excerpts from your heart that just, you just kind of throw yeah, up a into lot a of paper, people don't have a, a paper yeah. yeah, and you know, some random, cause I was in the, um, uh, poetry club mm-hmm. when we were in high school. We used to go every I think like Wednesday, mm-hmm. Thursday, something like that. We just kind of go to the back of the cafeteria, find a little <laughs> area and it'd be just a handful of people who would just, you know, read poetry or someone would just, yeah. um spoken words someone it's kind of like an open mic you know yeah yeah we also had snacks it was really good it was a nice little niche of like people to be in Mm -hmm. because that's like where you felt at home especially in high school this could be brutal (laughs) yeah but it's like where you felt at home like at your club yeah you know so i mean it was just really weird now that i think about it like why are y'all reading this yeah i mean if you think about like like some of the most famous writers that we have like so for example um was it c.s lewis and tolkien were like friends yeah and read and edited each other's work and Mm -hmm. they both became very famous and Mm -hmm. then you think of like f scott fitzgerald and a lot of people Mm -hmm. from that time period all of them who was it ernest hemingway like they all hung out yeah yeah and they're all and so like it cannot be overstated the importance of having people around you peers Mm -hmm. yeah that are willing to interact with you and read and um encourage your work and give you competition right right and but also to give you genuine feedback that's true that's very important be people to give those genuine critiques is so important to have it's so important to have people that are again you know either your age or mentors who are telling you that what you're doing is okay encouraging Mm -hmm. what you're doing um, joining in on what you're doing and in fact helping with, with what you're doing. Yeah. That's so important to have. And again, teachers, bless the teachers, guys. I will always <laughs> say this. You know, teachers are some of the most important Very backbone important. of America every Shout single out time. To Max. <laughs> of course. Um, now, are there any particular universal concepts that you find yourself usually attracted to writing about? Is mm. there, like any specific um, greater ideas? You know, love... Harmony, honor, um, war, conflict, shoot, disease, apocalypses, utopia, yeah, paradise. I you. you know. I mean, I love writing about love. <laughs> of course, <laughs> the classic. I mean, who doesn't? I mean, I don't know. Maybe there are some authors out there that don't like writing about love, but I love writing about love. Um, I really, lo- and I guess I don't know if this is like a universal concept, but I really like complicated convoluted relationships i guess <laughs> um that I guess sounds terrible tropes maybe instead maybe of universal tropes. concepts I'll i say don't tropes. Know. Yeah. but like i i love i don't know i the way that i write i'm very much like i like to play with how people interact with each other and explore that 
um, more than anything else. Um, even when I'm writing, like, because if I think about the genres, I can't even say like, oh, I like to write fantasy. I like to write this because I write all over the place yeah. um, as far as like genre wise. But I think a lot of the same concepts pop up. Love, of course, is a major one. Mm. Um, but then, you know, like family relationships with each other, friendship, um, politics, power. Those are all ones that I like to play with a lot, I think. Nice. Kind of works. Um, I mean, Doug goes hand in hand with earlier when you were talking about the Hartman by a soul thing, you know, yeah. she's, um, I say the, the interaction between conscious subjects yeah. is, is definitely the focus I see in a lot of your writing. The internal and, stuff. Yeah. You know, and the, the, the background, the setting, yeah. the, all that comes afterwards right. in kind of focusing on how these yeah. people exist, but then, Oh, by the way, it's like the, way, the way that I create, it's like, the characters and their complexities come first. And then I yes. shape the world that I need around making and seeing how those characters are going to interact with each other in the way that will bring the most mm-hmm. um, explosiveness for the reader <laughs> and ca- cause the most conflict, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, I remember, um, Chris, you were saying earlier that, you know, you do a lot of your writing is very existential. Um, again, kind of going the same line of universal concepts or tropes are there any specific ideas that you do try to bring up in a lot of your writing or, or are there any that you are conscious of um concepts of life so like nicole said i love i like writing about love too yes. <laughs> i'm a hopeless romantic so everybody then, is yeah. at heart yeah. but i like to write about concepts of life and things that i learn mm. so a lot of the time Maybe I'll learn or I'll, I'll even have a thought, you know, maybe I'll just have a random thought about death and mm-hmm. I'll turn that into like so a concept. I was just thinking about death too. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's, I, I'll turn it's a that. It's powerful concept a very, every time. Very, 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 very powerful. Um, but I'll turn that into like a concept and then write about it. I see. Or I'll think about anger. I'll turn that into something or I think about love. Or I'll think about happiness yeah. and like what happiness could look like in different. You kind of personify these different ideas. facets. Yes. Mm. So. For me, it's just a lot about taking just random aspects of life and putting them onto words and have people think about them in a different way. Okay. So you gotta kind of like expand, trying to expand the mind a little bit. I see. You know, instead of just trying to yeah. um, bring us all into the same thing, there are different ways to think about the same things. So I try to like do my best to uh, explain these yeah. in, in my poetry, but also kind of give rein to the uh, reader to kind of figure it out themselves of course since yeah so yeah mostly life sometimes love yeah, I <laughs> yeah. death i can't believe death, i didn't yeah. say death yeah darkness death is a big one yeah darkness. <laughs> <laughs> you guys know me i'm team sad team evil for life <laughs> i love evil bad things i love killing characters oh my but God. you know what death i love is, grief <laughs> it's such a it sounds weird, but it's such a good, it's like, a good concept to write yeah. about because it is the ultimate unknown. Yeah, yes. so you have, and it looks so different depending on the genre that you're Absolutely. writing in. Absolutely, because there are some worlds and some stories where death is so permanent that's mm. like such a huge deal, and there's yeah. other stories where death is just an obstacle. It's just another step of existing, you know? and we get to ascend or right. descend yeah. afterwards. But right. it's just another step. It's but, the great unknown. Yeah. yeah. To See, me, the scariest ones are the are the ones that were oh, oh you die oh that's permanent no that's it I'm sorry yeah. <laughs> there's no coming back yeah, there's nothing like those are the scariest stories to yeah. me yeah. because it really is nah you got this one chance 
and there is no after anything to think about. Good luck. These, mm. are, these are the the rules of reality. Get to it, buddy. Yeah, those are so scary easy. stories to me. It's so <laughs> easy to have like good symbols of death. Oh yeah, Look at Edgar, right? the memento yeah. movie. Edgar Allan Poe, the Raven. Oh, I love Edgar Allan Poe. <laughs> As a yeah. symbol of death. Yeah, so moody. And, and it's so now, moody. And, and, and now there's an entire like culture of humanity that has accepted the imagery that he has created as what is moody and yeah you know yeah. edgy exactly. and dark and it's because the gothic tales like you're, yeah, like you're, saying, Allan Poe. you're yeah. able to create those images in people's minds with literature with these writing and once you create those images it spreads like wildfire iconic. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it becomes iconic well sure um i guess kind of going into that uh how accessible do you imagine literature to be in the future you know, I know we have like Audible now and we have yeah, it literally on our phones. Right now. But, you know, that's what I'm saying. You know, in the future, as technology progresses, do you imagine like watches that are able to project an entire book on your wrist or a floating holograms in your hands? <laughs> you know, who reads books? That would be amazing. A, a lot of people, actually. Right? I, I will still say read that. books. I a have a huge do. bookshelf. Yeah. I do. I know. I, I, yeah. I know it may be wild, but I, I do know that Audible has definitely you know, been. I listen to books. It's yeah. been picking up. Like yeah. people have been feeling audiobooks more. I, more. I need glasses also, so <laughs> to contribute. And sometimes I find that the screen makes it harder. So yeah. I like to yeah, read about that too. the book, the hard books, because they don't like it, that's shine what, um, back at me. Yeah, that's when mm. the, the Nook came out. That uh, had a whole. That was a whole niche. Like, yeah, it's easier to read. It's like all, yeah. all low light. I kind of want a thing. Nook. No, they don't even have those anymore. Do I they? don't even think. I don't no, even it's think like they do. Kin- They're kind of gone. Yeah, yeah. Kindles now. Yeah. Which is funny that yeah. like something that really was cool technology has kind of been just taking right. over. Yeah, well, yeah. technology goes so quickly nowadays. Yeah. Very it's quickly. like, yeah. yeah. But oh. I feel like, generally speaking, literature is super accessible right now, especially because you can like self-publish. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! So there's yeah. like so much there's literature so out there. Visual adjectives offers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yes, thank you for mm-hmm. that plug. Mm-hmm. Indeed, yeah. visual adjectives does offer self-publishing services for anyone yeah. who's interested in such things. They do. <laughs> right. Check it out later on at www. It's like a saturation in the market almost. <laughs> <laughs> no, there totally is. Though. There totally is. Um, definitely with the the boom of technology. Um, with the boom of social interaction mm. through internet, people have been seeing how possible it is to get their ideas out there. But the issue, you know, the issue is that though literature is readily accessible, we tend not to access it because a lot of the times we just kind of go with our own knowledge. Yeah. Or, you know, Google a piece of what we want That's to true. learn. That's true. Yeah. Not get the whole story. That's true. That's true. That happens a lot of times. People will hear the whole concept of why this invention occurred. Yeah. They'll just Wikipedia it's the main like, guy yeah. who made it. That's exactly. A, Not the context around the when it came out. of the age of technology, yeah. I suppose. It, it's like a selective kind of blind spot learning about, yeah. uh, about information. Yeah. Wikipedia is great. I, I will literally tell students like, hey, yeah. y- yes, use this tool. But please know it's a tool. It, is crea- it will create blind spots mm-hmm. if you are not aware of how, what you should be researching. Nuance yeah. is very important. Exactly. So you, if you, for anyone out there that still reads books, I know one person that still reads books and she goes to Barnes and Noble and buys books. <laughs> but yeah, I do that for all of you out there that still reads book. You are, you're legends because, <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. Because the feeling of reading a book is, it's powerful, man. Honestly, not even that it's nostalgic in a sense. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. we we don't know that feeling anymore because the book is the like a rectangular electronic device in our hand. Yeah. And so we don't really feel like what it's like to fill the pages and turn them. 
or you know smell the paper whatever wood it was that was made from uh, I, you know? I will yeah, say that books different. were ex- like books were an extremely unique way of sharing knowledge for yeah. almost all of history like it, it like first yeah. of all yes once they were printed that blue that cr- freaking changed the world obviously <laughs> yeah. but you know books the, suddenly people literally became literate you for can the first just time. Have, <laughs> yeah you just have a book and just learn what you want to learn yeah. read a story what that is it's such a powerful i think like a hundred years ago item, you know a yeah, hundred years some, ago a hundred years ago some books the only way you could get them was to like travel across the world and right. go to like a library yeah. and look up the specific book and nowadays like almost all Anything. books are accessible online yeah. And even like that. a lot of libraries have started where they scan each individual page of their books mm-hmm. into a database. To start putting them up. So you can literally go and look at these mm-hmm. incredible Which is a great thing. Books. I'm so happy that, that they are um, yeah. switching to that age of technology. I, I, it helps I, with preservation. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's the main thing. I, I can't count how many times I have like Renaissance Fair friends who you mentioned, well, yeah, what about the burning of the Library of Alexandria? Oh and literally, they, they, so were, salty. Like, they were there. <laughs> like, they're like, they're still traumatized. I'm, I've, I've been personally victimized by the burning of the library. In exactly. You know, like I, I, the history of, America, of the world is not what it should be because of this. And, and knowing history, learning history. You will get so frustrated mm. at the human race over and over and over mm. again, but you got to keep learning about it. You got to keep hearing yeah. this history. You got to yeah. keep letting books be the bearers of this knowledge. You know, to this day, there's only one book I actually like still read, mm-hmm. preferably because I want to finish it. I can't remember <laughs> the last time I finished a book. Oh man! But it's a it's a it's a book of poetry by um, Edgar Lee Masters. It's, it's called the Spoon River Anthology, mm. and it's like an it's an anthology of stories about this place called Spoon River. Okay, that um that I don't know is if it's real, yeah, or if it's made up. But it just goes through like the lives of all these people in the spoon, and all the stories kind of con- connect in a way. Uh, okay. It's actually really really good, and some of the concepts in there are incredible. So I have to finish that book. <laughs> I'm I'm like. Probably like 65% done. I'm reading two books right now, actually, and I've never... I'm still, like, working on them actively. Yeah. (laughs) Excellent. Well, I guess kind of going to the same kind of delve of the the worth and purpose of literature, but have you ever felt like it isn't a path worth following to to stay on this path of of learning and writing and creating literature? It depends on where you are. Mm -hmm. Like, in America... I don't think it's the path for you unless you are a superstar or somehow you blow up from writing. Mm-hmm. Like it has to be like really you either have to be cemented in writing before anything goes down or something has to bring you up. You have to know somebody to bring you up. In the right because, place, yeah. right time. Because if you think writing is going to be your main source of like making a living. Success or income. Mm, yeah, you got another thing coming. Extremely tough. It's Even extremely tough to do. Having that. a bestseller does not guarantee it that you will make not. money. Like it doesn't take it's, actually that yeah. much to become a bestseller yeah. and end really up doesn't. on the New York Times bestseller it's list. Really it's like that, how a many, lot of books get like, that. Like two thousand, or I don't know. It's like a certain amount of thousand of copies have to be sold like within a certain amount of time, and then you just you automatically get best-seller. put up there. Yeah. So, but if that's like the majority of what you sell, then yeah, that's it, and you're yeah. gonna need another book really fast. Yeah. But yeah, that's been the struggle of being a writer for forever, ever and ever. <laughs> I mean, we were joking before the show even came on about how like we're all writers are just 
struggling and it's like the curse of the writer to never be recognized for your work until, <laughs> until after, after, you after you die. Yeah. Because <laughs> if it's ahead of his time, yeah. no one's going to notice. No one's yeah. going to care. Well, like you see so many writers are like so ahead of their time and they're writing at the time and everyone's like, all right, weirdo. Weird. And then like 20 or 30 years later, people go back and they're my like, God. oh my God, so they were on to something. <laughs> like, I mean, like you think like, for example, like Edgar Allan Poe is where we're talking about him earlier, but he's mm-hmm. a prime example. Mm-hmm. You know, when he was alive, he just struggled. I mean, we talk about how people, you know, he was so obsessed with death and darkness, but mm-hmm. his life was literally just tragic. Death and darkness, yeah. One <laughs> death after another, you know, losing his mother and his father abandoning the family and then losing his next mother figure. And like, mm-hmm. he just had death in every part of his life and yeah. he struggled his whole life. He didn't have a choice. Never made a lot of money while he was alive. He did. He was able to make a living off of his books, which was incredible Rare. for yeah. the time. But he died and was not that wealthy. And it wasn't until he was dead for some time that he even really became like as popular, you know, mm. now he's a household name. Yeah. Like everyone knows who Edgar Allan oh, Poe is. Right. Teach him in schools. Yeah. yeah. But it's... same thing with like F Scott Fitzgerald. He wrote yeah. the great Gatsby and died and the great Gatsby was awful. Like didn't sell. And now this is like an American classic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that everybody reads. Full representation <laughs> of America. Oh my God. If you're trying right. to learn about America, you but have to read the this time, book. You know, he died drunk. Probably a drug addict, <laughs> alone, going through a divorce. Like, oh god, yeah, that uh, is but, the struggle. Yeah, it's it's tough. It really depends on where you are in the world. Like, if you're somewhere where people still appreciate literature, I don't know if they still do in, hard, yeah. in England or There's so much like or, trash literature out there. Even yeah, yeah. There sounds is. like you ever see those ads on Facebook for like the stories and you read them and it's like stop it. You guys Literally. know what I'm talking about, exactly right? You've never seen them? Yo, I haven't seen them. Oh, my gosh. There, and you, could, you hit read more, and it's yeah. like the most horribly Basic. written, like, tropey thing you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And, like, you click on the link, and you have to pay to read this. I'm like, yeah. why would I why pay would to I read, read this? this <laughs> my mind. But I, people do. I don't know why it got crazy. So, I don't know. Maybe it's like, it's, it is very, I guess, like, because the market is so saturated, saturated. And because there's so many people that want to read, like, the opportunity is out there, but... You really have to dedicate your yeah. life to it and yeah. make like a strong following. And I think yeah. it's hard for a lot of people to do because, you know, in order to produce the amount of literature you really need in order to sustain a living, you don't have time to do you don't. anything no. else. Yeah. You don't. So you have to like, you have to either lay a foundation by, you know, maybe writing books and then slowly gaining that following enough that you can like leave your day job and write full time. Or I don't know. I don't see another way, yeah. to be yeah. honest. It sucks. A lot of times I feel like it really just comes down to right place, right time. Someone yeah. discovers it, loves it. Your marketing too. Your marketing like that's a important. huge part of it too. Yeah. Like social media is yeah. critical. Like either you have to be good at social media or you have to have a person who's good at it. And mm-hmm. they're down to spend yeah. the time working on the social media and making it look like you're as hype yeah. as you know, your book should be. Yeah. It's really hard and to, I feel like to when, get both skills. When you're in when you're in writing, you can't if you're in writing because you think that you're going to be the next J.K. Rowling and nah. live off your books, <laughs> you yourself, you're like, in it for the wrong reasons. Wrong right. reasons. Yeah. Like, if you're going to be a writer, do it because you love it. Don't do it because you want to make money because that's probably not going to happen and you're nah. going to be setting yourself up for defeat. Whereas yeah. if you write because you love the joy of writing and getting to share your stories with the world, I feel like it will be much more rewarding. And then when the success does come, if it comes, you know, you'll be... It'll be a lot more fulfilling than just yeah. like drilling out stories, yeah. uh, trying yeah. to make money. Your stories like, will be more genuine too. If you're yeah. doing something you love, you will have concepts that you genuinely want to see finished. I mean, that don't just end up yeah. being you know mass produced hot garbage just right. so you get stories out. Well, and if you if you you know write your stories well enough, I mean, here's a 
George R. R. Martin, you know, mm. his books have been out since the 80s and nobody really <laughs> yeah. no thought of them. And then HBO picked up it as a show. And now yeah. everyone's sitting here waiting for the winds of winter, which we've been waiting for for 20 years Literally now. You know what I mean? Like yeah. or 10 years, however long it's been that you've been a ga- if you're a Game of Thrones fan of the books, oh, yeah. you know what I mean? Uh, song of Ice and Fire, like I am. You've been waiting <laughs> <laughs> forever for this guy to release his book. Um and, you know, I bet George R. R. Martin can do that because now he makes yeah, yeah, stupid money off now. his royalties. Wait, he paid. Dude, the, yeah. same, the same thing with the guy from The Witcher. Yeah. Like, I mean, oh, I mean yeah. I know the story's amazing, but the same guy from the same the thing with The, the, Witcher, the Witcher books, yeah. Like, first of all, he had the, the he had books. They were that's, great. But the, the games came out. They, they were great. great. Yeah. That was a whole behind series. That's the goal if you're a writer. Dude, to have so gold. Have your stuff picked up as a show. Yeah, show is... Oh, I'll <laughs> show right now. make royalties from the show. Yeah, show will always be preferred over a movie. I... Or the movie. Like, I, movie is nice, but, like... What? You look at the Harry Potter franchise. I don't know, but, like, I feel that, That but woman makes so much money. Because she got a whole seven movies out of it. I would have been down for... Eight movies. Eight movies, sorry. So you're very correct, actually, yeah, because now she's doing um, Fantastic Beasts no, and Eight was the original Harry Potter, because they split oh, the, the part last two, book part into two. two parts. And now they're still And doing then now they're doing Fantastic true. Beasts. And they're going to do something yeah. else, I'm sure. Well, you know, what, well, okay. What they I will say on play. that... What I will say on that, I... I believe that shows only because they are more cost effective to run are usually the way to go. But if you do have a huge behind following and you get the people support you, uh, yes, movies are the way to go, especially Harry Potter. Think Lord of the Rings. The Notebook. Yeah, think Star Trek. That was a book first. I agree. But uh, you get more content out of a show, I think. That's a classic movie. I think. I mean, you know, I, honestly, I would be too. happy either way if somebody came up to me and oh, was yeah, like, facts, oh, we yeah. want to turn your book into a film. I'd be like, hot dog. Do whatever you want to do. <laughs> sure. I'll sell my life away. No, I'm just kidding. I would never do that, fans. I would never sell your characters like never, that. Never. No. <laughs> For money. <laughs> money. Yeah, it's crazy. What nonsense. Never. <clears throat> Moving on to the next question. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but the angling is that you're... Your main source of yeah. making a living shouldn't be nah. writing. No, nah. no, nah. it should be supplemental of anything. Yeah, and Until if it gets big enough, yeah. then you can use it as Take the lead. Yeah. yeah, you have to be realistic about it first. Like, it, yes. you can't put all your Don't all your cards down. Put your for feeling it. of success into making money. Yes, Don't do that please. because you will just hurt yourself. It'll hurt mm-hmm. so bad. Mm-hmm. Um, on the next question, <laughs> that was a really good talk. Thank mm-hmm. you. Um, how do you guys work through? Or out of mm. a uh, creative block. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so funny. <You> don't. <laughs> <laughs> so I asked this same question many years ago as a young student in a literature class that I took um, wow. called yeah. uh, Writing for Young Adults. Ooh. And um, my professor was brilliant. She was very tough. Probably one of the toughest literature professors I've ever had. But that just made me want to prove her wrong all the time. So. Mm. But I asked her the same question. I said, what do you do? Because I was having, we were giving writing, given writing assignments in the class. And, you know, sometimes it's hard to be told what to write about. Right. Mm -hmm. But it does make you stronger when you can write, you know, at will, at will. And so I asked her, how do you get over writer's block? And she literally said, you don't. You write. That's what you do. You just write and you keep writing. And eventually something good will happen. And you can always go back later and edit and make it better but and at first i was like wow that's like the worst advice i've ever been given but so i went home right and i did it so i was sitting down in front of the computer i'm like what the heck i have to write this assignment so i just started writing literally whatever came to my mind and at first it was hot garbage but then all of a sudden it just started clicking and then 
you guys all I'm sure have experienced that moment. I mean, we're all writers here where the story starts to write itself and you're just like the vehicle That's one of the best feelings by ever. which mm-hmm. your mind is, you know, putting these words onto the yeah. page. And that's what happens when you sit there yeah. and you force yourself to write. Eventually something good will happen. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you how many chapters have started with me putting things that I thought was nonsense onto the page and it slowly turned into what I was actually imagining. And this is super important. Also, you can always go back and edit. Like think about that. Like even if it's bad in the beginning, you can always go back and edit. Like before, I guess in my early stages of writing, I used to, you know, write a first draft and then I would just kind of go back and edit it a little bit. And I would say that that was my quote unquote finished product. Proofreading here now. When I'm writing my chapters, I literally do my first draft. I open it in one side of my computer and I pull up a blank page (laughs) and then I start my second draft and I reference my first draft. And sometimes there are sometimes I'll just straight copy and paste over. But for the most part, I write again. And And now you're more informed about what your concepts were in the first place. Sometimes the chapters turn out very similar as the first draft and sometimes they turn out very different, but they're always better. Mm. Um, Yeah, there's nowhere else to go but better. By just forcing myself to sit down and write, mm. I would have never gotten there. And I think that that is something that you have to you have to overcome as a writer is that feeling of I can't write anything today. Like sometimes you just have to you have to do it, especially if you're going to be working you know, with a publishing house or something and you're on a deadline. Right. Like You have to be able to overcome that. And the biggest thing I've learned, of course, is just sitting down and doing it and forcing yourself to do it until something good comes out and then going back and editing later. Also, though, I found very helpful <clears throat> if you're stuck generally in your story and you don't know where to go. This is a word of advice that I love and always have loved, but also I'm team sad forever. <laughs> but so think about the worst thing that could happen to your character and then put them through it. And mm. I don't mean kill them. <laughs> I mean, like if you have a character who's motivated by their family, kill their spouse. Mm. Yeah. Like no matter what happens, and the story has to go the story on. The story will yeah. go on and the character will be different afterwards. Mm. So, you know, it's like. But again, that comes from like character motivation and yeah, establishing that, you know, making sure that your characters are clearly established so you can play with them in that regard. But that can help you if you're stuck at like a plot point in the story. You know what I mean? Not necessarily like overall writer's block. Like sometimes we know what we want to do, but we just can't sit there and get it out. But like if you're stuck at a specific part in your story, yeah. you can do that to try and kind of get over that hump. Shake it up, mm-hmm. add a bit more drama to to just move the plot along. Right. And just mm-hmm. if you just need the plot to go somewhere. You know, the funniest thing about like writing poetry is that I don't feel like I ever have writer's block. Like my mind is always thinking about something to write. Mm-hmm. Like I'm always have ideas. I just don't do it. Like it's just yeah, for some the reason, motivation. Yeah. I just don't sit down. and write. Yeah. The ideas are there, but it's just like, yeah. oh, my God, materializing yeah. it. Materializing the, time the it ideas. Takes, yeah, to bring it and up. The hard part about that is that I'm never satisfied, by the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. Poetry, I never it never comes out like I want it to come out. Always <laughs> close. Never exactly how i like it so block is not a good word for me i think it's more like lose momentum because when i if i write something mm-hmm. like i'll write it it'll take me a day i'll write the whole thing maybe or it'll take me a day just to write the first par- or the first stanza mm. or the first couplet so it doesn't so the thing is like if i if i sit down and i start writing right and i'll get to Maybe three lines. If I stop, I'm never coming back to that poem. Because <laughs> then I'll lose it. Yeah. I'll lose everything. So I'll sit down. I'll write it out. Right? Maybe I'll write the whole thing. And then I'll mark in red 
like the spots that I don't feel so comfortable about. And I'll give it a week. Yeah. And then the next week. Oh, that's great advice. I'll go back and I'll be like, let me yes. change this. Let me change that. Because when you read it, the feeling, the initial feeling is good. But if you read it again, the feeling will be different. That's You're completely so different. right. It will always be incredibly I'll tell you right now, Absolutely. if there's one thing I learned yeah. about the human Give mind, is that to. every single emotion we go through is literally a wave with varying crescendos of how much is rippling, how much, where yeah. is this going. There, the, the idea of trying to nail down your thought for writing is it's, so hard. Yeah. Like you guys were saying earlier, it's playing with a a mutually understood language to try and transfer my idea <laughs> to yeah. you, right. you yeah. know, like that's hard. It is so very hard, especially when it's um, like, I draw, I, I'm an artist. Like, yes, I, I write a bit, but you guys, you know, write far more than I do and are more skilled in the, in the artisticness mm-hmm. of writing, you know, sort of the artistry of writing. But when it comes to that, I, I find that, yeah, you do have to sketch it out. Mm-hmm. You do have to make those first you have drafts. To put those bare bones yeah, down. Yeah, if you don't, and that's if you discipline. don't sketch, very much so. Yeah, that's just it discipline. Just doesn't exist. Yeah. You yeah. have to have the discipline at that point. Mm-hmm. But I loved Chris's advi- advice yeah. to give it time because I can't tell you how many yeah. times I've. Like, on it. We we're talking about like where I write something down and I'm like, oh, this is word vomit. I'm just like getting it out. Yeah. <laughs> and then like. A week later, I'm like, oh, let me go look at that terrible first draft I wrote. And I'm like, wait a second. This is actually good. Yeah, and then like, I'm like, oh, this is great. And that's when I pull out that second blink page. And yeah. I'm like, oh, let's go from here. You know, yeah, yeah. you will. It, and it, it reminds you sometimes how good you are to, yeah. to like yeah, go that's back. Important. It almost, it almost yeah. feels like you're going at it with a fresh, like you've never read it before. Exactly. Like if you feel like, especially I find with this with my really old writing stuff that I haven't like. If I'm talking about my novel, for example, the first couple chapters, which have been established for a long time now, I go back and I reread them and it's almost like a different person. Like, it doesn't even feel like I'm reading my own writing. That's really cool. Yeah. Because the author's voice, you know, is is different from like my regular voice. And like, it's so cool to reread your work and like get excited about your story again. Yeah, because you... you you're and you're like, reading. oh, what happens next? Yeah. Oh, I get to decide. <laughs> no, <laughs> you're reading like your own you have the power. iteration, but it is really yeah. cool when you see your own work. You are you are really reading the story, and you're just like, holy crap, what is going to happen next? Yeah. Oh, I get to decide. Yeah. <laughs> it's really cool. Yeah, so I would say that um, if you lose momentum in writing, especially in poetry, I'd say go back to your muse because my muse is life. So if I ever like from writing something, I don't go back to it. I'll just go outside. Or I'll just go, experience yeah. that That's life great is happening. Too. Yeah, experience I'll that life live, is happening. I'll just live like regular life, and in that, I'll find the inspirations that I've been finding yeah. before. So you know, always go back to your base, your yeah. foundation, your muse. If you ever feel like you're losing like, momentum or you can't write, just go back to why you started writing in the first place. Yeah, and live your life with intent. Also, got to. Yeah, that that's tough. That's also discipline. I, yeah, I can't yeah. express how important that really is. Like that is definitely Don't just something. Blindly flounder about, you yeah. know, looking for inspiration. Yeah, it's you, not, you have to work. It's not that how it day. works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I find that, like you said, getting back to nature is something really good that works for me. Music, mm-hmm. you know, there's certain. Find what works for you. Find what gets you going and yeah. gets you excited about writing, and then nurture that. Yeah, thing. De- deliberately acknowledge yeah. what yes. does make you happy. Exactly. Like acknowledge that you do feel happier doing a certain thing and then be able to acknowledge when you are not happy so that you can go find that thing that makes you happy. Mm -hmm. And that's not a, it's not like, it's not a bad thing to be selfish about that sometimes. Like find that happiness for you sometimes because bro, life's hard. Yeah. Yeah. I can't can't count how many religions tell you life is suffering. Life is hard. Thus live to find that happiness, live to find that inspiration within the difficulties of it. Yeah. Yeah. Going on that same uh, concept, 
how do you guys make room for the kind of the author creative mind and then your own mind? So kind of to add more detail to that, how do you decide how much of mix there is? So for example, the author creative mind would like look at, actually this is a really strong example, Look, let's use the Bible. If an author creative mind looks at the Bible, they can take it as a story with characters to learn about. Uh, there's dialogue, there's trope in there, and these factors lead to a story that teaches certain things. Mm -hmm. If a person has, like I said, their own mind, their own kind of heart, mind, body, soul, their own spirituality, their own understanding, and then they implement that into the Bible, they can use that as a moral guide. I'm not saying either one is right or wrong, but they are different perspectives looking at the same entity. How do you kind of separate your analytical art, um, author mind from I am a person myself and I myself want to believe and understand certain things hmm. from a moral perspective? I don't even. That's tough. Right? It's kind of like. I don't I, feel like I do, though. Same. Like, I feel like I am an author always. always. I am a writer <laughs> That's always. What I was like, every moment of every day yeah. Yeah. is just it's it never stops yeah. like i don't find that it ever stops it else when i see people when i interact with people i'll mm. have inspiration for characters or mm -hmm. inspiration for moments that i want to happen i'll pick up particular moment of just existence and that's it gives me inspiration for what i want to write i don't know that the two are really that ever separate. truly separate really, yeah i feel like especially in the creator's mind they're they're rarely mutually exclusive because you kind of live to create Mm -hmm. And the Bible was a great um, example because at one time when I was reading um, the Proverbs, those are like the most inspirational quotes ever. Right. And I, dude, I, I, I will write a whole poem on one proverb. Yeah, I'll tell you right now, like religious books, like they got bars. They're dude, the like, best. Yeah. Like they, dude, they have lines they where you're the like, best. these are truly profound yes, statements. Like these are things so. worth learning about, learning from, yeah. and then viewing life differently thanks to the knowledge i now know very much so because even when i'm driving <laughs> i'm thinking of something things to, things to write about yeah if i'm listening to a podcast i'm i'm listening i'm like listening for something to write yeah, about yeah. like unconsciously right of course it's automatic all the time when you yeah. wake up to when you go to sleep just is the mindset creating in your mind it just never comes I out agree. yeah it rarely comes out the way you want it to mm. but like all the time i remember i used to <laughs> i used to um do uh like Instagram videos where I would like, I would think of a line, mm -hmm. like I would create like maybe like a, I don't know, like a quatrain in my head, like four lines of poetry, right? Okay. I'll create it in my head and then I'll just read it. I'll just say it aloud. Like I wouldn't like write it down or anything. I'll just say it aloud and like do it, up, put it on Instagram or something as like a story. Yeah. And like put it, you know how it's like different course, panels yeah. and just kind of just do like a short poem and like, that's really that's the, really good that practice. Three though. seconds yeah. that you know they're listening to this, but it's just a, it was just a way for me to get stuff out. That's powerful. Yeah. That's a sketch. Literally, yeah, that's kind of like a yeah. sketch. Yeah, yeah. I'll just sit there and just go. Mm -hmm. But I don't, I don't I don't think they separate at all. Yeah. That, whatever it is, interesting. You're always know. yeah, you always that's powerful, creating. Man. Yeah. On on that same train of thought, I guess, kind of relating this question to the previous question, also about like mm -hmm. how do you stay motivated. Because I find that the author mind never ends, for me at least, and if you're listening, you probably are, maybe you relate to this and you feel it. it's the same way for you. One of the best things that you can do for yourself is to find a way to take notes at, like... At all times. Yes. <laughs> My notes app is full. I promise yes. you. So, like, <laughs> I, I use a program called Scrivener. 
Amazing. I would recommend it to everyone. Literature and latte (laughs) is like the people that make it. Maybe they'll pay me one day. Yo, (laughs) (laughs) but um, yeah, free plug for you guys. But um, it links through Dropbox, so I have it on my phone, I have it on my iPad, and I have it on my computer. So at all times, I have all of my novels with me. Strong. And I have a notes section in each of the novels. So if something happens during the day and I'm inspired, which happens often, mm-hmm. I'll run into my notes section of that particular novel and I'll write it down. Um, and another way that, you know, sometimes I go back and I look at those and I'll like see ideas that I forgot that I thought of. Mm. And that'll be like a jump start if you need um, motivation or something. And nice. yes. relates to That's like nice. how the constant mm-hmm. author yes. mind sort of thing. I yeah. can't tell you how many times I'm driving and I get. A masterful idea, brilliant. Yep. Yes. And I'm like, and then you're driving. Oh <laughs> my god, I'm so mad. I'm like, I have to remember it. this. Don't lose it till the next red light. <laughs> oh, dude, no, I will do that straight up. Yeah. Five minutes of driving, yeah. just thinking Think of nothing. Yeah. Straight up, like Zen meditation, trying to remember. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> trying to remember idea. what it was. Yes. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you guys something. I remember when I was, uh, I don't remember how old I was, but it was like 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. And I was, it was, I had an old Android phone and it, it had this like, you know how you, you have sticky notes on the computer? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It was like a sticky note on my phone. Oh my gosh, I forgot the sticky yeah. notes on yeah. the computer. And then I loved this. I woke up and I'm like, I had this brilliant idea. It's something with honey and bees and like some lady named Alice. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, I got to write this down. I sat there and wrote the whole thing on Dang. my notes. Yeah. On my sticky yes. note on my phone. Mm-hmm. Dude, that, I'm telling you. Like next morning. Gone. <gasps> Stop it. No. Gone. And I couldn't get it back because uh, it wasn't internally saved anywhere. Sticky notes. It's yeah. just sticky notes. that struggle. Learn the now, so writers. I delete. felt like it was my best work <laughs> at that time. Back yeah. your stuff up. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah, I can't struggle. say right the, the struggle of the digital age and artists trying to keep <laughs> keep their stuff Honestly, intact. thank oh God goodness. for the digital age, though, because I've had journals that I lost and I cannot yeah, figure out where they were. Mm-hmm. And now, because of the digital age, between Dropbox and between Google Drive, I will never <laughs> lose one of my USB stories drive, ever like again. Everything. USB. I have oh. all of my stuff saved in probably at least three different locations. Oh, but, as you know, as a writer you've been through that loss yeah, and you exactly. never want to experience never that again. again so now literally never i have again. my stuff on dropbox i have it on drive i have it in multiple file formats like yeah. pdf i have doc i have like i have everything yeah, <laughs> yeah that's what never that's again. it's devastating losing something you think could be a yeah. masterpiece oh. mm-hmm. devastating you can't recreate it never no, no it's not possible Sometimes f- never ever that first fleeting thought is so pure and so it's perfect so yeah. perfect yeah it's so profound it's like raw for how inspiration. Rare. Yeah. It's rare to get that, man. <laughs> Going on um, how deep that feels, what does it mean to put yourself in your work? How much and what parts of yourself do you tap into to mm. plant parts of you in what you are creating? Mm. I, you know what? I actually try to take myself out of my work. Same. But, <laughs> I, I, but I, that if, is the thing I hear from all artists and yeah, writers well, and creators. Let me if, tell you something. I mean, of course, how? you, okay. I don't know. You want to go first, Chris? Let me tell, let me tell you <laughs> something. I read an article um, when I was in college. Mm. It's by Edgar Lee Masters, right? <laughs> I read an article, and at that time, he was looked uh, looked up to by a lot of other up and coming um, great poets. Mm-hmm. And one of the things he said was that poetry should never be written with emotions. Like, don't put how you feel into your poetry. Don't don't put um, however it is you're feeling at that moment. Don't put it into your poem because it has to be done with your mind. And when you do it with your mind, you take yourself out of it and you give other people the chance to interpret it uh, as they feel or as they see fit. Okay. So what I try to do is I try to take myself out of my poetry. I don't, I don't try to put 
a lot. Like when I was younger, I did. When I did free rights, mm-hmm. I don't mean I. I'd be mad and I'd write, "I hate it here." Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. paper, you know. Yeah. But like a lot of the times, when I say "I" in my poem, it is not me. It is it's kind of a disembodied subject. One hundred percent. Yeah. Or if I say "me," it is not me. <laughs> it's, it's the yeah, yeah that it's, perspective. Yeah, it's that something is... else. So if I do put any of myself in my poems or any of my works, it's mostly from my mind. Like it's something else I was thinking about personally. And then the, like the analysis, the analysis of it. You got it. Mm. So like person, like my personal feelings or how I feel at that time. Nah, I take myself way out of that. Cause I don't want to give that to anybody. And I don't want to force them to feel any type of way about mm-hmm. like whatever piece it is they're, they're reading. Okay. Yeah. I want to let them do it by themselves. Like if I write something dark and you feel happy about it, then you're correct. <laughs> right. I don't want to write something dark. I mean, make yeah. you feel dark. Yeah. Because that's what you thought it was supposed to be. Yeah, it's, it's not you, know? you trying to make them relate to an emotion. It's right. you creating an art piece. Sorry, I relate everything to art, but yeah. it is you creating a piece and people feel what they want, what they to, want feel to feel yeah. from it. Exactly. I understand that. Yeah. So I, I don't really put myself into my work a lot of the time. When okay. I was younger, full of it. For so, sure. you, yeah. so I would actually, I'm kind of inferring that it's, it's more so you have to practice not putting yourself in work 1000 mm-hmm. it's actually yeah. more so the, it's, it's more actually so the default. really difficult yeah which is why it takes me so that. long <laughs> it's hard not to put yourself into oh, your I work see. i see because a lot of times you want to relate it to your life mm-hmm. but the whole point is to take life as objectively as possible and give it and use the idea of life not how you experienced it because you don't want to give them your experience you want them to create the experience from what you give them in terms of like the uh the, the platform, I guess, mm-hmm. whatever the, the poem is, Powerful. whatever. Yeah. I understand. You just want to give them that platform and let them create what it is that they want to create from it. Mm-hmm. Not give them what you created. That's powerful. Yeah. You man. know, I understand that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah nice. I have to say, yeah, I, I don't often put myself into my own work. I try not to quite deliberately um, yeah. because also this was a piece of advice I was given by another professor. Um, be very careful when you're putting your, personal self into your stories because you open an avenue for yourself to get very hurt Mm -hmm. um because remember Mm. when you create something create a piece of literature and you put it out in the world it does not matter what your intention was no no people are going to interpret however they will so if you put yourself in your story and people hate that character (laughs) like you're gonna feel awful yeah so don't i try to purposely create a lot of distance between myself and my characters of course there are things that i go through that i then relate into the story but it's never going to be this was my experience that i'm putting on the pages now i mean some people like to do that people do like you know autobiographies and stuff but that's not that's not my style that's not what i want to do funnily enough i was doing a workshop a couple years ago and um i was with a bunch of other you know authors and we had all done our stories and we were talking about this is after the critiques are over and I had this uh, one woman who was a big, big fan of you guys. You've all read it, the, Mc- the McBride novel that mm-hmm. I'm writing. <laughs> and um, she was like, I had no idea that you were Irish because you guys know that all the main characters mm-hmm. are Irish right. in the story. Yeah, so and I responded, I'm like, I'm not Irish, I'm French. <laughs> and she was like, oh, she's like, I guess I just assumed because the main characters were all Irish. That must have been your heritage that you had drawn inspiration from, but it really (laughs) wasn't like at all. It was something, I mean, I, something I had seen interesting years ago and slowly the idea developed like all on its own. It wasn't like 
me you know mm-hmm. what i mean yeah, it's creating story that story right that you're but then of course like if you think of like the female characters like of course when they're going through struggles i'm relating it to my experience as a woman mm-hmm. what the and, struggle right, might look like right yeah. and i'm putting that into the story but it's never my experience like my yeah authentic it's more self of a, more of your knowledge of the situation right than your experience of the situation. and it's like emotions that i have felt maybe i might use those to drive a scene but I'm never going to create, recreate my experience or recreate myself on the pages of my own writing. I understand. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. We don't do that around here. <laughs> Some people do. I, I just, I think it's a dangerous slope. Yeah. I think so too. I, I think it's important that, uh, like you said, like you, you, you have to work not to do that. Yeah. yeah I, I feel like it's easy sure. to put your own emotion and your mm-hmm. own experience not your <clears throat> wisdom, but your experience yeah. of the situation into the work. You, yeah, don't, you, you don't know. want to do, nobody wants to read a self insert of like yeah, a, of like a, and a lot of times if I find when I'm reading other people's stuff, that's very obviously a self insert or the main character is like taken after themselves. It it's, it's like a lot of times the character's too perfect because people, we don't like to look at our own flaws. Yeah. Right. No. So yeah. when you're creating a character and you're creating them after the, after yourself, you're not going to want them to be flawed right human <laughs> or you know they might not be as human as you would make someone that you weren't that emotionally connected to you know what i mean so it's just something to consider when you're putting yourself into your own stories just if you are going to go that route you know don't just be careful yeah for <laughs> sure um and kind of a final wrapping up question final question um <laughs> i actually like this one what does a library of your work look like if Two decades from now, you were able to truly follow all your dreams and goals on literature creation, on writing. Um, and someone said, ah, yes, this is the collection of all of Nicole's work or all of Cress's work. <laughs> what, would, what would the books look like? Ah, this is the set that they yeah. did for blah, blah, blah. This is his uh, attempt at writing this or that or covering this topic. This is her, this series and that series. What, what would that look like, do you think? Um, my library would be very small, but very powerful because a lot of my, um, my works aren't going to be many, but the few that I do have will be very intensely written, intentionally written and written with a lot of, um, a lot of like mindfulness. I understand. So yeah. I would try to insert, cause to me, it'd be like, they'd be less about poetry and more about guides, right? Because as I, I as I get older, I'll probably try to guide more people in my poetry than I will just trying to like get them to understand what I'm thinking. So for me, it it'd be something like I don't know, uh, the astronaut's guide to love, <laughs> 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 or the weird kid's guide to friends, or okay. something like that. You know. So, but it'd be in the form of poetry. Obviously, I would yeah. name it. Of course, that. of course. But it'd just be just dis- dis- just different perspectives on regular things or like societal tropes that we kind of just take for all, granted that we all deal with. Yeah, yeah. We all just deal with, but it'll be in a different sense. I see. And then that'll open up other people to think about like living life differently. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So for me, it'd be very small, but very influential is what I would try to make it like. Okay. You know, so, yeah. I don't know. What about you, Nicole? Um, strong female characters um, would definitely be, uh, that's at least a theme that I want to be throughout all of my books complex relationships mm. convoluted dysfunctional <laughs> relationships the struggles of being human um, <laughs> yeah. yeah 
complex emotion and um i would say i don't know how to describe what i'm trying to say but like kind of a- exploring human conflict and relationships mm. like all of my novels on some capacity doesn't matter if it's fantasy or you know mm-hmm. realism and set in new york all of them are very much about people interacting with each other how far we're willing to go for other people mm. how, what we're not willing to do and just exploring the range of human emotion especially as it relates to our relationship with others excellent nice i'd want to read that well, thanks. Yeah, I'm going to You've your already library. read some of it. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to your library. <laughs> well, uh, well, wow. Why, thank you. Those were really, um, those were really awesome answers, actually. And frankly, I loved your answers to all the questions we had tonight. Um, and I really appreciate being able to talk to you guys and really kind of pick at your brains and minds about what it takes to really be an author, be a writer, and to be a creator, and to be kind of a you know young adults going into the field, understanding the field, and then trying to balance life right now and still, yeah. you know, staying creative and staying, I guess, in love with that field. Yeah, you know listen, I mean? yeah. listen, young people, the road is tough, but it's fascinating. Agreed. Yeah. It's very fascinating if you if you if you try to look at it through a different lens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. So uh, we'll wrap up here. Um. This has been the Visual Adjectives Creators Corner podcast, and. Uh, I'm exceptionally happy to have such awesome guests with me. Um, Nicole, Cress, uh, and again, I am Edward. Uh, please check out this podcast. We're going to have it posted on visualadjectives.com. Again, www.visualadjectives.com. You'll be able to check it out there. We'll have it on our blog and on the front page. So you'll be able to check it out there as well. Um, but yeah, thank you guys for joining us. Uh, and thank you, audience, for listening. I hope that the conversation was informative inspiring and able to truly help you understand why we delve into creativity writing and why it's important for everyone else to really i guess have an experience with literature and have an experience with the human nature beyond just conversation you know humans have been writing down their experiences for frankly thousands of years it is worth looking into what other people have experienced so that you can gain wisdom and continue to create yourself yeah thanks for having me man yeah i don't know anything but thanks you know plenty my friends trust me um but yeah thank you for your coming and audience thank you as well this has been thanks for listening yeah visual adjectives um podcast the creator's corner podcast see you later i guess signing off peace